Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, this is, I think, the earliest I've been on trail coaching, which is nice. I was missing it. And yeah, so it's back really quickly. Yes, and almost too dry and like too warm all of a sudden. Which well, is... that was my refrain yesterday. This is really great and great weather, but it probably means the end. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it has to come at some point. Yeah, but yes, here in Ontario, spring has officially sprung. It's actually like hot out, not not warm, not seasonable, like straight up hot. Like I actually definitely dehydrated myself yesterday mm. with a bit of a, a pack mishap and had to... Uh, you know, stop on the trail and like drink out of my pack, like direct, like open the pack and drink out of it. Like that's how hot it got. (laughs) This is, yeah. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is some of the challenges in spring as we're transitioning outside and into hot weather and away from maybe our our home gym or or strength training. So yeah, a few different uh, Q&A questions today around spring and, and the seasons. Yes. And while you were out doing skills coaching on the mountain bike with a bunch of different people, I was definitely, so I got on the mountain bike after my run yesterday and was reflecting that I desperately needed some skills training. I was like, oh no, I'm a beginner again because it has been a while since I've been on a mountain bike. And, you know, admittedly after like 15, 20 minutes, I did kind of settle in and find my rhythm and feel a little bit better and a little bit more like I knew what I was doing. And I'm going to say part of it was the trails, the the trails we were riding on. They're very rooty. They have a lot of like very like sharp little ups that are very root covered right now and it's very sandy um lots lots of things were not in my favor yesterday i was tired i had too much air in my tires i could give all of the excuses but oh my gosh i was just like i can actually i can have so much empathy for people who are just getting started mountain biking because it is so hard like Mm -hmm. it's hard it's intimidating I mean, once you once you kind of get a handle on it, it feels fantastic. And I ended up having a really fun time by the end. But it definitely reminded me that being a beginner on the bike, you know, we talked about this last week with Lori Lown talking about road bikes, but it did it did get, remind me that being a beginner on the bike is really hard. And you just kind of have to push through those those first few rides before you start suddenly feeling really, really, really good. But there is a good switch that flips. Mm -hmm. And this really gets to that framework. I like where we sort of when we're starting things and this would be, you know, whether I always say this isn't like you're done this this framework once you're, you know, a pro or whatever. It's, you know, we have different phases of the year. So when you're coming and starting into a new phase, we focus on frequency. We don't really care so much about how long it is, the volume, and we don't really care so much about the intensity either. It's it's just getting out and, and trying it, right? So for you, it's, you know, can you get on a bike, you know, even three or four times a week, right? And, and you're going to see, like you say, you saw it in, in 10 minutes, you started feeling better on the bike. Uh, so yeah, there's really nothing fancy that has to be done uh, in those first weeks, really, right? Although talking about feeling fancy and uh not feeling like a beginner, I'm very excited about our newest sponsor, which is Gooder. And I was actually wearing their their bike sunglasses, which I hate to say this phrase, but a few of you asked me about on Instagram because I have been posting with yes, them. Yes, of course they did. Yeah, um, I swear it happened. <laughs> six, uh, six listeners can't be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do actually really love them for photos because the bike sunglasses, uh, 
cover my, you know, very dark under eye circles. They're, and go they're goggle size. They're ba yeah, they're, they're goggle size. They're fantastic. Uh, they cover the 11s on my forehead. I'm so excited about them. Is that a word? Yeah, the 11s, the little lines uh, between your I've eyebrows. I've never noticed you having these. Oh, thank you, dear. Yeah. Um, of course you didn't, but <laughs> I don't. I don't have wrinkles. What are you talking about? Uh, anyway, loving these bike sunglasses. I swear, I'd, like I've been reviewing sunglasses for a lot of years, and I would say this pair, which is a fraction of the price, I think in the U.S. they're like around forty bucks, um, compared to some of the you know sunglasses I've worn that were four hundred. They're fantastic. Like, can't tell the difference. They're so good. They're polarized. They're really mirrored. I like the black pair, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, just super, super into them, and they make me feel much more uh, comfortable. On yeah, them. and you may have heard of them as you know the you know sort of on the beach type sunglasses, but they definitely have some great cycling and, and sort of fitnessing options now as well. Yeah, a lot of people wear just their sort of standard Wayfarer ones for running. A lot of my friends that I run with have been swearing by them forever. So I I started wearing them well before they came on board with us for this podcast. They also have blue light blockers and everybody knows I love a good blue light blocking sunglasses. Are those the ones I glasses. wear? Uh, no, those aren't the ones you wear. You have my old pair. I oh. have the fancy new okay. ones. Well, we'll have to see about this. We'll work on it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, I could not recommend them for biking enough. So if you're someone who loses sunglasses often or you know, you know you're not maybe the most gentle with them, uh, this is definitely a really good pair because if you lose them, you're not out hundreds of dollars. And if you don't lose them, you have a really great pair of sunglasses. Sure. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to give credit to Phil Guyman because he actually works with Gooder a lot with their stuff. And he wears the same pair that I wear on the bike. OK, so they might improve your Strava times. As yes, well. yes. Will help you KOM. OK, uh, have not helped me QOM thus far, well, but I'm hopeful. So yeah, frequency, you'll yeah. get there. Yeah. So if you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving consummate athlete listeners free shipping on your first order. Although before the Canadian listeners get excited, sadly, this does not apply to the Canadian store. However, they do now have a Canadian store. So they are doing international shipping and it actually is a lot easier to get Gooders still for a great price in Canada. So definitely if you're in Canada, you can now actually get them like through their website instead of hoping that a store near you has right. them. So definitely check that out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And of course, I'll be wearing them on the trails. But you can check it out at gooder.com backslash consummate. And it's g-o-o-d-r.com backslash consummate, which is c-o-n-s-u-m-m-a-t-e. Probably just go to the show notes and grab that. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you the link. You also have to use the code consummate to get free shipping. And Gooder does offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. So really, like, what do you have? to lose definitely find your pair at gooder.com backslash consummate and again use code consummate to get free shipping okay with that said should we talk about strength yeah we can i mean there's a few different ways where we're going to sort of look at this spring and the changing of the seasons you're maybe transitioning outside and it's just been you know a lot of questions uh both from clients podcast listeners around this idea of strength training you know i want to keep it in you know stacy sims says we need to do it because we're getting older uh you know we're really pushing on i, I predicted this was the year of strength training but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to keep strength training well and especially when you have the temperature swings that we've had here where it's gone from 
pretty cold and crappy to boom, suddenly it's summer. And I can completely understand the desire, especially in the past week, to be spending way more time outside and maybe leaving the weights for another day when it's when it's this nice out. So I think we've had a really aggressive shift compared to most years where it's, you know, it's slowly warming up. You kind of get used to it. But, you know, this year people are just like, get me in the water. I want to go swim. Uh, there were actually swimmers in the bay here in Collingwood in April. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wild. So anyway, I understand where they're coming from when it's but, this abrupt. But that would be another, you know, why, you know, let's look at this question. Like, why is strength training not possible? Like, it, it, I always say it's interesting. I work with enough people that for some people, this is not even an issue. For some people, you know, in, in the strength training world, you know, the summer is actually the best time to make gains. I, you know, this could be related to vitamin D or the, the like, now your muscles are more active, you're warmer and you're, you're actually living. So in, in some circles, this is actually the time to make the big gains in strength training. But for cyclists and endurance athletes, often this is, you know, you go and do the thing you actually like doing. Um, so we don't really use that summer period. So it's sort of interesting. In some circles, they'd actually be like gearing up and, and this would be a weird question to ask. Like, why wouldn't you, you know, lift? So it's funny. Some of these things, there's, you know, you get asked the same question from two different sides, right? And you're just sitting there wondering what, how to answer each one. Uh, so it probably depends as usual. Um, but where do we want to go with it? You know, should you, or, or what, what do you want to do? You want to focus on strength? Well, let's start with the strength training and then we can sort of bring it out to the bigger question of riding outdoors when it's nice out and just sort of some of the things that we notice people tend to shift when when it does warm up. So mm -hmm. strength training, I mean, do we skip it? Do we cut it down? Do we just force ourselves to do it? What do you think? So usually I've been trying to, you know, I'm, if I get interviewed for a magazine or I'm doing like a Canadian cycling magazine article or something like that, you know, a lot of my Canadian cycling magazine articles are in this like cross training is good for adults. And, you know, we're not going to the Tour de France. You know, this is sort of for most of us, this is who we're speaking to. So I try and preface as like, if you're going to the Tour de France, thank you for listening. But, you know, we're not necessarily like there's going to be some nuance there. Now, I think in those circles, you're probably seeing strength training maintained at least throughout the season. Uh, we had Chris Johnson PT on here just recently, and he's in triathlon circles. And I asked him the question on that episode, you know, how do you keep strength training in as a fourth sport, you know, in these triathletes who are busy people as well? You know, we're talking more towards masters. And he said probably one short session is enough to maintain, you know, especially when you have someone running as well and, and doing some of these load bearing things uh, as well. So that was, you know, once a, a week is probably enough. And that might be a week you know, where, where you have a race or your heavy workouts. Um, and that can certainly undulate, though, too, right? You might have weeks where you can load a bit more and get like a two, some weeks or two sessions during the week. But Chris is definitely on the same page that, you know, these sessions can probably be 20, 15, 20, 30 minutes long. They don't have to be belabored um, and is on the same page. You know, this is the same as Dan John's been on. That's with his easy strength. It's like, you know why is this taking more than half an hour? It probably is a 15, 20 minute ordeal, right? So sometimes it's looking at that composition of what you're doing in the gym and shortening it down and really doing the stuff that you need to keep maintained and keep ticking away at uh, and maybe removing some of the other stuff versus saying, I'm never doing anything that looks like or sounds like strength training. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll say for me, I do strength training twice a week in, in addition to my morning routine that everybody has heard about ad nauseum, but I do strength training twice a week and it's 15 to 20 minutes. It is not belabored. And I actually do it just on the tail end of my run. So I kind of count that as my warm up and mm -hmm. just kind of get right to work. Sure. And so I think that's, you know, it's finding where you're going to pair these habits. This is like our 
what are the things people like flossing? You try and pair it every time I brush my teeth, I floss, or I do my calf raises, or I've been working on tib raises. So the opposite of calf raises, where you lift your toes. So I try and do that a bit when I'm, you know, brushing my teeth or just after. Um, I actually brushing my teeth a second time had been a goal since the new year. Still a goal, but I'm do, doing pretty well with it. So I just try and before I go ride my bike, I brush my teeth. And it, that's actually a feels great. I don't know if someone told me this a long time ago and I was like, you're wild. They were brushing their teeth like at a race site, which you would have a hard I problem with. I have such a hard time with this. I just had I was about to be like, I need to leave right now. And I was like, really? You're like you brushing your teeth before you're just going to put sugar back on those teeth. But uh, yeah, now, people do that like mid 24 hour races or like 100 milers and stuff like that. Just kind of reset. Well, and I mean, probably good for dental health. I'm always so concerned about this. It would be health, absolutely so. horrific for me. By the way, if anyone ever sees me in a 100 miler please do not brush your teeth around me. I cannot handle it. It will <laughs> kill me. Only in a hundred miler or like at well, any like point? In it's general, probably but like, like especially in a race, like that would just completely trash no, me. No, we've had it a few camps and like athletes have like been walking around and Molly like- I'm like literally <laughs> like, almost <laughs> retching as you're saying this. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Sorry. Uh, so there you go. So strength training. So it's really, you know, when I start talking, we can get into all this nuance of strength training and like how many reps and sets and weights and how many times. It, and then a lot of times you get boiled down and, and most cyclists, you know, we're not doing that much. So it doesn't really matter. Again, we're in that frequency camp of just try and keep doing it that little bit you're doing. So it might look like some push-ups and some 20 pound dumbbells in the house. And maybe that's just after a ride on a Tuesday, you do your intervals and then you're a little tired, but that's probably a good day to do it, you know, either right after or, you know, that morning or that evening. Uh, and maybe that's the only strength you do for the week, or maybe you can get another one of those done maybe after the Saturday, big, long, hard ride or something like that. And I think there's great benefit to that. And again, that 15, 20 minutes of just, you know, mixing exercises together. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing to add is, uh, you know, a lot of this is coming from it's really nice out. So I want to be outside more. And I think the thing that I realized in January, February, when we were camping like down in Florida and then in North Carolina was I could do a lot of my strength outside. It turns out I can bring my weight outside and do my entire routine. Like in Florida, that was literally mm -hmm. our option mm -hmm. because we were camping. Like I wasn't going to stand in the van doing my <laughs> doing my strength. And I, I think that's something we forget, right? Like just br drag your dumbbells out to your back porch or out, you mm -hmm. know, to the lawn. Yeah. Uh, even here in our little condo, we have a back porch, like we have a back deck. Yep. Do most of them out there. And I have a few clients that I've convinced, you know, they get into the gardening and, and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, maybe the dogs are playing in the backyard or the kids are playing in the backyard. So, yeah, you like make it, you know, maybe you have monkey bars in a kid's playground or maybe, you know, you have a wheelbarrow that you can, you know, do something or some heavy carries, you know, hug a big mulch bag to your chest and start doing heavy carries with that. And then integrate that in with some of the other strength stuff, you know, your bent over roads, your squats, your lunges with an actual weight or, or with some of these more, you know, strongman style, you know, you know, again, a big bag of salt or a rock or something like this. Like, I think you can certainly do that. And again, now we're getting time out in nature and you're enjoying the sun. You're maybe getting a tan, you know, whatever these other things you're going to do now that the weather's better. Yeah, definitely make that strength environment more, more enticing. Yeah. So I think this is, you know, for the people that are traveling, you know, the 30 minutes to the gym or whatever, like maybe the summer is you put a pause on the gym membership and just buy a couple of kettlebells or we have an adjustable dumbbell that we were both very iffy about when we got it. But man, is that thing useful? Yeah. I mean, it's my main goal right now is pressing it over my head. So I just like it because I can keep yeah tweaking it up in two and a half 
pound increments on my strength and I just do the pretty much same routine, but I can vary the weight, which is great. Which is maybe a good point. You know, we, we just had a post recently about setting goals in strength training. Mm-hmm. Um, we forgot to put that in our notes, but that we did want to put that in this episode uh, that we had that. And, and really that's sometimes why strength training drops off is we don't really see the point and the benefit. But if you can keep a little paper journal or however you want to track it, not just, you know, people will record, uh, you know, the their heart rate off of the strength training, but we don't really want to, you don't need the heart rate. It's not really usually that enticing uh, or, or worthwhile. Like it's not going to tell you that much. But what we want to say is, you know, this week you did two pull-ups, you know, five sets of two pull-ups. And then next week, maybe you either add weight or maybe you work away at a third one on one of the sets. Like maybe it's a set of three and then a bunch of sets of two or uh, pull-ups are a weird one, but, you know, insert whatever, right? Like you're doing a bit more reps or a bit more uh, weight each uh, week, right? And you're trying to track that. Uh, and then when you start seeing benefit and you have a bit of goals, then it's, you know, it's more, it, it, a lot of times it's easier to keep coming back because you're seeing, oh, I am getting stronger uh, or more functional or more range of motion or whatever it happens to be. I do also think this time of year is when a lot of people go away from strength for a few weeks as they get excited about going outside and everything. But honestly, they do start noticing that things aren't working as well. You know, mm-hmm. like I notice a lot, la- you know, loss of upper body strength if I skip a few weeks for whatever reason, which sure. happens on and off just if we're if we're busy or traveling or whatever, sometimes I, I miss a couple and then I can tell like. And there's maybe two pieces of wisdom there. Like A, the classic, like I didn't do it once. So now I'm never going to do it again. Right. Like it, there's still like you don't lose it that fast. And, and you know, you, you might it might feel a little more awkward or like it's hard. I always find that with pull ups like we came back. I hadn't done pull ups the whole winter. I had been doing rows and different variations for my back uh, even hanging off of the odd thing. If I saw like monkey bars when we were walking or something. Uh, but really hadn't done it. And then I actually had a great, like, I think I finally got 10 pull-ups, but the first couple times I did pull-ups back, definitely it felt slow and tired and like, you didn't want to do it and it would be easy to just leave it. But again, frequency, try it a couple times, get your way through it. Uh, and then you, the way you go. Now I had two points I wanted to go on here. Where was I going? Uh, oh, sorry. So a come back, don't just fall off the wagon and never come back again, come back. And then the other thing that doesn't seem intuitive is that idea that like you can do one set and there's benefit to that or, you know, so if you're, if you do a circuit or you do three sets of 10 is your classic strength training, it's okay to do one set of 10 or one set of eight. Uh, it's okay to do one time through your circuit. And maybe that's even the second workout. And that, that works great. A lot of clients will do, you know, their 30 to 60 minute strength on Tuesday. And then Friday, they actually do what Dan John might call a tonic workout or just, you know, maybe call it a maintenance workout or whatever. Uh, a frequency workout where it's just everything once and mm-hmm. and it's amazing it's a really easy if you know everything you're doing you only have to do it once one set of 10 push-ups but you can do it one set of 10 squats but you can do it one set of 10 bent over rows and, and it's it's really really good like and it's amazing and maybe you'll add a little more or not but i think there's great benefit to that uh you know your body's moving through range and that's something you could probably throw between zoom calls <laughs> you know eight exercises done eight times Yeah, for sure. So definitely don't give up on strength training altogether just because it's summer. No good reason. Well, and again, why, right? Like I I think Mm -hmm. because with a strength training benefits are going to be great. You're going to feel stronger. A lot of people will say, as you say, they come out of the the winter and they feel more balanced on the bike. You know, certainly any of our off-road riders are going to feel like they're 
able to resist the loads. You know, if you crash, maybe you're a little more athletic and mobile. We always talk about the arm going overhead. If you stop strength training, so you're not doing your pull-ups, your overhead presses, and then you go ride your mountain bike and your arm gets thrown over your head and you have, you've only been doing keyboards and, and handlebars for the last, you know, four months. It's August now, mm-hmm. right? This is where sometimes we see that rotator cuff or something like that, just strictly because your arm hasn't gone over your head in the last four months. Yeah. And I mean, I also have to say like, as someone who's, you know, done the, you know, years of just endurance sport training and like, you know, when I was training for the hundred miler, I pretty much gave up on strength last year just because I was training so much running and just kind of well and and again we might debate that you might be a tour de france person at some point at that point yes like got back to just doing my morning core and yoga and that was it i'll tell you though like getting back to strength like this is like a really odd thing to mention on a podcast but my butt is bigger now like that's what just like a little bit of squatting a couple times a week does like well, it's it's like a legitimate you, you like might muscle be a hyper, gain. hyper responder too, i but. might be a hyper responder there is that but honestly like i i'm really surprised at the gains that you make just from like maintenance strength i mean again i think we know that the the benefits maybe not in booty size immediately <laughs> uh but the neurological they call this you know the the beginner will see immediate pretty much like in the first weeks they'll see like oh i can rep you know the 10 pound felt really heavy and then i'll go to like it's not going to be like 100 but it's you know they'll be at the 15 whereas your advanced person you know is the same as biking right like it's pretty you can go from 100 to 150 watts pretty quickly uh if you stick with it and you ride frequently but you know 150 to 200 or 200 to 300 (laughs) it, it gets harder and harder right um and that's the nature of things right there's there's going to be this it's not linear gains forever mm-hmm. okay so that's strength I, i'm wondering you know we well, did what, have one other specific strength question about eccentric oh sure yeah slow repetition stuff yeah so this was uh this is sort of tangential but it's it's somewhat related to like sometimes we the question was do you want to read the question or what yeah so this person was just saying uh wondering if you can make any comments on the benefits of is it eccentric eccentric strength training say it however you want (laughs) strength training exercise for cycling um so this person has tried eccentric push-ups eccentric pull-ups uh goblet tempo squat with four seconds down two second pause at the bottom and then exploding up yeah um so i'm not actually sure if those three things would you even consider them the same thing or what would you how would you explain an eccentric push-up or an eccentric pull-up <clears throat> yeah be the first place to start so again this is where with cyclists you know sometimes we have to be careful because eccentric training is sort of considered an advanced th- uh, method but I, I think it's actually something that most people would have done in some way usually it's our, you know we're trying to get a pull-up so we'll we'll either jump up or we'll use maybe a band to get up or someone will help us get up to the top get our chin to the the pull-up bar to the top and then we'll slowly lower on the way down on our own so no, with no assistance this is the key so you no assistance so it's heavier usually on the way down uh in the bench press the example i would be like you have people spotting you and they help you lift it up to the top and then you fight it all the way back down to your chest and then your spotter could help you like lift it back up so it's heavier on the way down and you can lift more on the way down just by the way muscles work and you know you can oppose it so this eccentric loading so you see beginners use it just to like actually do the motion in the case of like a pull-up and, and i think that's great you'll, you'll the and then the advanced lifters they'll have like you know a thousand pounds and they're squatting it or something right and then again they'll have like two people on either side of the bar and they'll help them and it's to try and push through it and what happens is it's like tearing the muscle as you're lowering this against you're maximally trying to resist it and you're lengthening the muscle 
and then you have muscle tears and then the muscle adapts, right? So you can be very, very sore from this advanced level training. For the rest of us, probably it's a way to do the motion to start. Um, and, and so that it can be good in that state. So I, I don't really have a problem with it if someone's learning how to do pull-ups. Push-ups, again, would be you could do a knee push-up up and then go up to a full plank, you know, knees off the ground, you know, full plank and then lower down. That would be a great way to do, to learn to do push-ups and to develop the strength. Um, now what this person's describing is more, I would call it like tempo training where you're doing like four seconds down and maybe super slow up like four seconds. And so they talk about time under tension. So you're doing the, the push-up instead of doing 10 sets of put or 10 reps of push-ups, 10 push-ups in what would it take? 15 seconds or something, you know, probably most people just, you know, you do it really quick and you're done. This might take 50 seconds to do 10 or pull-ups would be like a classic, like four pull-ups, maybe again, takes five to 10 seconds, maybe at most. Uh, but what if you went like really slow and you had to hang for now for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Uh, so it gets a lot harder because of the grip strength there. So tempo training again is nice. It's time under tension, but this is going to start taking a lot of time. So my concern in, for today's podcast would be tempo training might end up taking a long time and then you might not do it. But I think there's benefit to exploring slowing things down for safety. And then also just to like really feel, you know, something like a squat, like on the way down. So I, I don't have any problem with it for most cyclists because they're probably not going to experience like super amounts of of soreness that you might associate with a centric training. For sure. I think the the only caveat might be like if adding something like this is going to make you less likely to actually get your strength training down, like you say, sometimes it will take longer. And I think especially when we're in this like maintenance phase of like getting anything done, sometimes playing with new things can kind of make it hard, like trickier to make time for it. Cause you're like, Oh, I'll get to that next week. Yeah. Um, and it might, uh, or vice versa. Maybe it's something that like you're really jazzed on and it's going to, oh, sure. you're going to love it. And maybe you have a training partner and you're going to do a set. Like it, this is the thing too. Like it's one of those, like if you have a training partner, probably you should do some of these, like where you're getting spotted and you're like playing with it. Sure. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be every exercise too, right? You might just do a centric to like finish. It might be like your second exercise or something again, like a, again a squat or something that you're lowering slowly um yeah i don't have it would just be like for the case of our cyclist in season we're sort of taking this question and putting it in season that would be my only concern there uh would be making it too complicated uh mm -hmm. yeah I, oh sorry the only other thing then would be you know if we, if we were uh, high performance and we had big goals coming it the, the slower training might be counter to you know usually you'd start doing more power where you're doing jumps even you know like plyometrics so i'd want to see in the program like is there a reason that we're doing the eccentric like are we trying to really push max strength or or should we actually be spending that time more on something like jumping like is there jumping in the program uh probably for all of us you know it's good to have a little bit of jumping or skipping or something and, and or figuring out why we're not jumping or skipping and working on that deficit just as people but also when you look at racing and and high performance uh usually plyometrics are a great thing and again to that point of keep it simple and short like you could do for you that might be even like a great thing you could do like maybe some you know a little bit of lower body a little bit of upper body and then a couple of little like plyometrics and progress that and, and you could really see with low you could do it anywhere and, and really see benefit off of yeah when uh, we had plyo. when we had stacy sims on the podcast last we'll have to link to this one again in the show notes if anyone missed it because we were talking about so many different things but one thing we did talk about was the the jumping and, and it's funny that gets skipped right everyone talks about the protein and the like trap bar we all need to get a trap bar in our home 
uh, and do heavy deadlifts because Stacy seems have, but the, the plyometrics don't seem to be skipping it. And it's the easiest thing to start and do with no equipment, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. And her big thing was actually the jumping down. Like, yeah, depth. Yeah. Which is, which is really interesting to me. And part of that was just the, the impact portion mm-hmm. of it. But uh, as a, as a trail runner, I thought that was fascinating because I mean, I spent so much time, you know, coming off of, off of logs or off of rocks or whatever. And you definitely waste a lot of time if you're, nervous about how you're going to respond to jumping off of like a foot high thing right if you're worried about your ankle or any of that stuff so i think for me it's actually also technical training like let alone all of the other gains sometimes you'll see jumping as uh like a predictor of like mortality and morbidity right which Mm -hmm. sort of makes sense like if you once you start jumping it means you're more stuck to the ground so you know this is the nature it seems like vo2 max is going to be you know the the faster you can run on a treadmill probably the longer you know you're you're not limping you're not you know you don't have a lot of conditions now there's caveats there it's not a perfect predictor but yeah i think jumping when we're thinking about being functional for life like probably it's a gap in a lot like i would say my jumping like i could certainly include more and it's it's easy to include because it doesn't have a lot of equipment start again jump rope or i call them pogo hops like just don't have a jump rope and just jump, you know, mostly from the ankles and do that, you know, start at 10 and progress it to say 50. And then can you go to one leg? I think that's like for most people that one leg pogo hops, um, if you can picture that, like it's mostly coming from the ankle. And I I think about like pointing my toe, uh, but it would be like jump rope skipping on one foot and just hold it. And then do your hips do all weird things? And do you fall over and (laughs) uh that's probably most people could spend the summer doing that and and get great benefit and then from there again you can go to squat jumps just jumping up in the air you know i i prefer to jump up and try and touch the ceiling or like a a tree branch or something you know the girder in the basement or whatever you have uh for that and then yeah the stacy sims like you i would start really casually like one step like the first step off your stairs and and jumping down from that would be a depth jump Uh, that one's usually a you know, a medium term plyometric, you want to be a little careful. And then from there, you can start doing multiple jumps. So you do like a, a jump down off of a box and then jump onto something like plyometrics are good. It's well, and I had to laugh. I think actually like being in the van for the few weeks we were there in, in February, like January, February, I swear like my my strength and my plyometrics got so much better just because our van step is about as high as most like which gets uh, to step boxes. Ups. Yeah. And holy crap like i felt like i was doing either like one leg squats or or box jumps like every time i was getting in well, or out of the and van sort of doing almost what you're saying with depth jumps right because you sort of when you're stepping down out of the van it's a pretty big step so we, you do sort of drop a little bit down so yeah you, you know and i think it's okay to include those a little bit just in life right sometimes it's we have a, a couple gates here for dw because he's so well trained uh to keep him out of certain rooms and off the stairs because he's not supposed to be going downstairs certainly uh yes dachshunds are the exception to the jumping rule as far DW, as yeah but he's trying to be the exception to that exception uh <laughs> all that to say we have to step sort of do a hurdle over these these gates and it's weird but i also am like this is hip mobility built into the day so sometimes it's, you know, can you make a couple of these, you know, this is sort of a make life hard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you go up and down the stairs a couple extra times in the day? Do you, can you do like a weird over under, you know, thing or maybe like dipped, uh, you know, when I'm walking with DW, I try and if he goes under a branch or through like a really narrow thing, I try and get down and sort of squat my way underneath, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just use that rather than telling him he, he'll come back. But <laughs> not always. Sometimes I have to follow him down some 
some holes. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> um, okay, so that's strength, fitting it in. Uh, I guess on that, if we're trying to give people resources, your coach, David Roche, has a, I, I use it in plans even, uh, and it it's well received. Like I always am like interested when people will do stuff. So his mountain legs routine, which I think if you go David Roche mountain legs on YouTube, you can see him. You know, and, and he's a, a running dude. Uh, you know, he just, it's nothing fancy, but it's essentially, I think it's like 50 uh, reverse lunges, if I'm not mistaken. So you stand up and then you step back and do a lunge, step up and then back and back and back and you do it 50 times per leg. So all the same leg, left, right. And then step ups uh, just on the stairs to your house when you're going into your house or your condo or whatever, you do 50 with one leg and 50 with the other leg. And I think that's the mountain legs routine if I remember it correctly. Uh, I think he suggests to start with like 20 reps and again, progress up. Uh, yeah, gotta love the simplicity. So good. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, a lot of people do it. So we do it though after your run or ride uh, and it takes what, three minutes, four yeah. minutes tops. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a little tough to do it, but you only, it, you're, it's once for everything and you're done. And, and yeah, that's one that people seem to do. And, and then at least you've done something, right? Well, and I think part of that's because you, like you say, it's right, you do it after your ride or run. It's easy to do outside or inside if the weather sucks. But in this case, like it's a great one to do outside on your front step uh, and you're already like dressed for it. So there's no, mm -hmm. you and, don't need to like get ready for it and like plan it into the day or whatever. It's and and this doesn't it. work with everyone's dog. Our dog in the morning is more of a sniffer. You know, we don't, he doesn't like leaving the house, number one. So we walk around and, and I pretty much do it most mornings. And sometimes it's like walking lunges. So rather than doing reverse lunges, I just walk along with DW and, and then, yeah, the step ups we do, you know, on a rock maybe or on the stairs coming into we the house. We are the weird people in our condo. For sure. Yeah. Like our neighbors definitely love it, but it's you got, fine. you got to get it in. Yeah. Yeah. Get those reps. <laughs> All right, before we get into the uh, talking about actually riding outside in this new warm weather, let's take a quick break to talk about our other sponsor for today, which is AG1 by Athletic Greens. And this is another one where, holy moly, it's been well over a year since we started using Athletic Greens. It's definitely getting packed in my bag as I head out to Sea Otter this week. Um, it's just such a good all-in-one sort of cover your bases supplement. It's got the multivitamins, the minerals, the probiotics, the prebiotics, the adaptogens, and of course the greens. So just kind of everything all in one, whether you're traveling or you just kind of want to add a little bit of extra health to your day. For sure. And as we're going to the spring, you know, you're putting more load in, you're certainly sweating lots, you know, and mm -hmm. adapting to the heat. So I mean, getting that water in right off the bat and then getting those, those nutrients and as you see adaptogens uh, in as well. Yes. And really, it's, uh, you know, much cheaper than getting all of the different supplements. And, you know, we, we all know the person who has like the supplement cabinet where it's just, you know, bottles and bottles and bottles. And actually, like I had to do a uh, specific gut protocol recently. And I will say like we, hundreds of dollars on these really specific supplements for this one thing I'm working on. But compared to that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, there is no reason not to do not yeah, to try. Yeah, and sometimes there's that decision fatigue, right? You're sort of like deciding all these things and, and related to our strength uh, as well today, right? Sometimes it's just, you know, I do mountain legs three times uh, a week and set it and forget it for now. And then, you know, once you've been really consistent with that, we can tweak it. But similar here is, you know, rather than trying to pick from the medicine cabinet every morning and some super cocktail, uh, this is one that's been uh, what are we on? What iteration are we on of AG1? I think it's like 53 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been around for a while and, you know, you know they've added all these, again, adaptogens. They've added different uh, components to it to help, you know, just make it that much better and make sure it's including covering all those bases. You know, your probiotics are in there. 
Um, and then, of course, we always mention the NSF for sport rating as well uh, to make sure that what's in there is actually what's uh, on the label. Yes, very important. And it's also keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free. So that's also excellent for anyone who's following a specific protocol. Now, if folks are going to check this out, they can use our link and, and make sure we you know, sort of help us out by helping yourself out. Yes, and at bonus, you get five free travel packs if you use that link. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. It comes in little droplet form, very tasty, plus five free travel packs. Again, fantastic for race weekends with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash molly h that's athleticgreens.com backslash molly h to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and we will include that link in the show notes as well okay last topic here today which is the skipping my training ride because it's warm out and this is like kind of a funny thing to like phrase to say but it is kind of a common thing that's coming up as the weather is getting really good it is. And it is. It's one of those questions, again, that I can get asked from both sides of the equation. Some people finally can do their training and they're like joyous and they're out there training happily because uh, the weather's good. And then other people feel like they can't do any of their training because it's warm out. Unpack that for us. Well, I mean, I think it's especially now with the smart trainer revolution, uh, you have people coming from it used to be that, you know, maybe someone's come from spin class, but now there we have a lot of especially with the pandemic, a lot of riders who maybe haven't quote unquote trained outside, you know, in some cases, maybe not even ridden a ton outside coming off of a trainer um, or some of us cyclists forget how to ride outdoors or train outdoors after a, a long winter as well. You know, the winter can be long. Uh, in some cases, we've been on the trainer for six months. Yeah. Uh, so so and, it is and tricky. to give the trainer people credit, like it is, it's so easy to do your intervals on the trainer, right? You're in this very controlled environment. I don't often, <laughs> For me, it's like so much harder. I don't understand. Yeah. This is I the like said, two sides of the question. Yeah. I said for the people who like the trainer. Oh, okay. I yeah. was if very clear like there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. People who are, who are into the, the trainer side of things, you know, it automatically adjusts for you. It tells you on the screen when you're going, you don't have to press a lap button because it's just like doing it for you on there there's just so much that the trainer is sort of doing for you so mm -hmm. it's so set it and forget it you just have to focus on going hard when you're outside and you add in the intervals you have traffic to contend with you have you know the the gradient changes on you when you were midway through your your hill interval suddenly sure. it's steeper or it's yeah. flatter um you know suddenly there's a dog chasing you or a turn coming up that you have to slow down for it's it's not nearly as smooth so first question, I guess, is, you know, it's nice out and I want to go and ride outside. Always do that. If, if, if I'm making a plan or you're coached by me, like, please always go and ride outside if that's yes, an option. To be clear, like when Peter includes downloadable workouts. In it's begrudgingly the, always. Yes. Uh, Don't but, have to use them. So, yeah. And so in general, you know, the important thing is the endurance. And, and I think even, you know, aside from the physiology, it's also the environment, which is, you know, I just try and say this all the time, like, you're supposed to, in most cases, we're training for something outdoors, whether that's outdoor group rides, or races, or challenges, adventures, FKTs, whatever you're doing, it's probably not on the trainer, I have one or two people that are pretty esports focused, you know, that that's coming, that's a thing. Uh, and, and the advice would be slightly different, but probably still would be go outside if you can, because it's good for you and, you know, sun's good and maybe you're riding with people. It's good. So in general, yes, it, it's not deviating from the plan because the, the, the plan or the coaching or whatever, uh, or your goal as a person is, is probably to ride a bicycle outside. So go and take advantage of that context if the weather is there. Right. Yeah. 
And then the other side of it is the I want to skip my intervals or skip my planned ride in favor of just like a monster endurance ride. Sure. And this is maybe where context, you know, you have to put a, it depends on it. But if we leave it the context of someone's been indoors, maybe not riding a ton of volume uh, because they've been indoors, you know, maybe not a ton of heat exposure, not a ton of group riding exposure. I don't, again, this is where like the context, probably you would make that decision to get those other aspects of, of training done. Uh, and I would probably just skip the intervals, especially if there's a heat, like it was quite hot for April. So, you know, on the weekend I was coaching and actually usually my heart rate's quite low. It's not really like what I would call great training for me. Usually when I'm coaching, you know, there's a lot of standing and a lot of focusing on the, the person I'm coaching, but this weekend, like just moving around, you know, was heart rate was up like it actually was quite a stressful if you look at heart rate as as a indicator of the stress on the internal on the body uh heart rate was up quite high for me you know just adapting to the heat and and the dehydration over the course of a few hours uh which is good so you know you're just letting that load come in that strain i guess you know get absorbed uh yeah so so in that case we we do that for this week and then we look at how does that how do we adapt the schedule in the future to start you know maybe bringing intervals as well intensity but Similar to when we were talking about you getting biking, you know, you sort of have to get outside. So there is this sort of return to frequency of riding outside. For some of us, there's like maybe it's only once on the weekend we're getting. So we have to we're going to benefit from increasing the frequency of outdoor rides. Then we'll increase the frequency or the sorry, the volume of the outdoor rides. Volume is the most important thing to endurance training. And then we can get picky about the intensity. But in a lot of these cases, whether it's because of the heat or the group riding or the fact you're finally mountain biking, there's probably already intensity in there. And it might not be that much different than the the intervals that we were trying to simulate on the indoor trainer or as you see with the downloadable workout. So I guess go and do it for sure. And then, and then assess how you need to adjust the plan from that point. If it was a hard day, which it probably was, then you, know, you continue with the plan because there was probably an easier and off day coming up. For sure. Yeah. And I would say you'll probably agree with this, but probably the next like six to eight weeks, like we're mid April right now as we're recording this, you know, the weather can be very sketchy, especially in sort of these in Canadian climates, to be honest, uh, very up down through April and May. So I do think there is room to, you know, play with your training plan and adjust it depending on the forecast a little bit in the coming weeks, right? Like, it wouldn't make sense to do your super long ride on you know, the day that it's uh, 30 Celsius, or, sorry, 30, uh, 30 Fahrenheit. It's freezing. It's yeah, freezing yeah. and it's raining, but it's going to be like 10 Celsius or like 50 Fahrenheit. I'm really bad at these conversions yeah, still. Yeah, just but say it's really warm out or it's It's warm freezing. and sunny out, yeah. you know, the next day. It makes sense to flip those around instead of like being like, well, I guess I'll do my long ride here on the trainer and then I'll, you know, take my rest day on the really nice day. Mm -hmm. uh, there is there is room for shifting things around based on the weather, especially during this time where the weather can vacillate so wildly from day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is, you know, try and empower the athlete as much as you can to make these decisions. And, and, you know, there's no wrong decisions, but then, you know, you can reflect on how that went. So if you do try and do a long ride on the trainer, a lot of people like find that that really is a kick to motivation in the coming weeks. That's been my experience. So I try and say, you know, if you're going beyond 90 minutes on a trainer, you probably want to reflect on like, do we need to do this? And like, why at this time? Uh, are there other things to do? You know, are we getting ready to go down to a training camp where, you know, or, or is it like we're getting to race season? And so it's like a once again, you can do anything once. It's not going to it's really not a big deal. 
Uh, it's just like if that's going to be your six month plan starting in November that you're doing like three and four hour trainer rides, like it's very tough. And usually around March, the motivation, uh, if not before the motivation starts dropping out. So want to be careful. But in, in this case, I like this swap. We, we have that post, the six S's of what you I'll link to it because I can never remember the name of it, but six S's uh what what to do if you can't do your training and so there's sort of these six there's like substitute swap skip um something you know do something uh shorten do you remember i'm missing the sixth one stop <laughs> i don't think that was it we, we ended up coming out with a lot of s's but you're you're just proposing a swap so this might be like the saturday hard ride or group ride swapped with the sunday long ride uh something like that right and, and in case again one as a one-off if the context is better the weather's better probably makes sense um i think the the one-off though is maybe worth pointing out like if you're noticing that every ride is getting swapped that's when we start getting into yeah that's where i like the plan to follow more what your life is like right if th every thursday is just you can't train that day then probably just don't train that day and stop getting frustrated and having to ask you know if, if we need to adjust it right then probably you just do friday saturday sunday mm -hmm. training and then again you would adjust that so that that's optimal uh through it yeah, I think the only problem with swaps is sometimes you end up with stuff like in r weird orders, right? You do a five hour ride and then you try and do vicious intervals on Sunday and find that, you know, you're pretty fatigued. Uh, but had you swapped them, you probably, you know, you can always volume you generally follow. But sometimes that works great. And sometimes that's a great thing to do, too. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, the shorten is one that always gets I'm like, you probably just shorten it and it'd be OK. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, definitely. That's one that I struggle with because it is it is hard to see the, you know, oh, I'm like two miles off of fin like doing this run to the the length I'm supposed to do it. But uh, often it's really pointless for me to push through a final two miles if there's like a call, like an urgent call I need to get on or something like that. Um, I've definitely like messed up more things than I've helped by being super dogmatic about like, oh, I need to finish the thing. Mm, it's yeah. to your 80% as a passing grade. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know as far as, you know, in the spring, like get out and enjoy the weather and yeah, you're going to have to treat it a little bit as like a new exposure, like to these new loads. So yeah, I think the ultimate thing is like probably the intensity doesn't really matter for a bit. Mm -hmm. um, now, and, and then I should say, oh, well, maybe that's where you're going. I'll let you. I was going to say the flip side of the 80% uh, as a passing grade is that 120% is not great either so i think like it, the temptation is really to to shift into accidental overtraining this time of year where you do this week has been amazing right like it would have been really tempting to get out and do a 20-hour week even if you were only supposed to be doing 12 um and you know maybe a couple extra hours would be fine but 20 is probably going to like kick your ass and then next week you're going to be exhausted and now maybe you know mm -hmm. a lot of people in Ontario are racing Paris to Ancaster in in two weeks here and if they went absolutely yeah. like bananas on hours this week that might have not been great for their training for that yeah I think this is where we learn so I mean if you did I heard a lot of people out doing you know 100k gravel rides I, I think three pe different people said oh I did 100k of gravel this weekend and I you know it's 100k gravel is a is a decent ride for most people so it is just reflecting on okay well what happens next week and the week after if you find that you're quite fatigued or you know you uh, you know do you have saddle sores i heard probably three saddle sore stories as well this don't know if that was a coincidence it's the first sweaty ride yeah it happens uh or the first hundred you know your butt, yeah. butt hasn't been in a saddle um it's a new bike a new there's been a lot of bike fit uh 
episodes over the last little bit too you know the, if the bike fit changes or you're on a new bike again this would be a, a flag that you don't necessarily want to do a 100k gravel ride right out of the gate either again this is a frequency make sure the knees and the the butter are okay with it uh yeah yeah i don't know just be be cautious and i mean also this is a good point on the uh, the fueling uh, definitely make sure as you go longer, you are fueling those efforts, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you decide mid-ride to go longer. That's where you, you know, if you're mountain biking, get back to the car and get a snack. If you well, have one water there. too is like no, no one carries water mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, again, we, we, this is where the environment's so important. Like it, it motivates it, right? Like your trainer environment, you could just get off the trainer or, you know, you probably have a desk with five water things right there or something. Uh, whereas you have to carry it now. And so, it, you know, if you have a pack, that's great, but a lot of people don't like using packs, but then they're going to have to use a pack in a race. So it is, you're starting to adapt to this new environment. And this is where that perfect like workout indoors, I always roll my eyes because it's not perfect. Like outdoors is perfect because it looks more like the thing you're trying to do uh, where it's hot, there's hills, there's shifting, there's trees, there's, you know, all these things that you're going to have to adapt to. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. Like you're outside. And so uh, did you have more stuff? Or I have one more thought. Uh, just uh, to, to add to the fueling point there. Yeah, I realized, for example, I kind of forgot that my mountain bike does not really take a large water bottle very well. So I had jammed one in and then, you know, during my ride, realized couldn't really get it out. Yep. So that was a, a learning experience, a good reminder in terms of that. And also, we will include a link in the, the show notes here. Uh, I put it on Instagram too, but uh, the Feisty Media crew has come out with a really cool course called Fueled, and it's about performance nutrition for women. Uh, so it's very women-specific. Uh, our longtime podcast guest slash friend, Alex Coates, is one of the researchers who uh, is a big part of it. So if you're kind of looking for that performance nutrition information, definitely check that out, and we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great resource there. And they're doing cohorts as well. So there's like, you actually get to interact with these people. It's not mm-hmm. just like a watch this YouTube video and give us, you know, your money. It's, it's you know, there's some support there. And it, it, for some folks, that's, you know, really, really uh, helpful. A, a, yeah, helpful. A big difference, right? Uh, versus, you know, it's easy to buy a course and just forget that you had it. But you true, know, these yeah. have webinars to show up for. But then I think some sort of interaction as well yep. with the, the experts as well. So that's quite a neat uh, thing that's going on there. Uh, so my last thing then was, you know, this topic of doing the, the, the quote unquote training. And so this usually means the intervals is what folks mean. And so eventually once you're back outside, you got it, the bikes rolling, you got all the five flats out of the way for this year. Uh, you figured out how to fuel, you got heat adapted, you know, you're drinking enough, you got the salts, you got it all figured out. So then at some point you're going to want to start doing intervals and no, this doesn't mean you ride the trainer. It means, you know, at some point you're going to do, you know, I always say like, have you, you know, think about the time trial in the, on the road, you know, they, they say go and then they ride on a flat road, you know, really hard for 40 minutes or 40 K or whatever it is. So that looks a lot like, you know, something like a four by 10 or two by 20 threshold on a flat road, paved road. You know, most people have access to something like this. I know in Toronto, they have a couple different industrial blocks and parks that, you know, they try and not get pulled over by the police on, uh, yeah. And so you figure it out, right? There's this way people do this in cities. Uh, you don't need a, a monstrous hill to do th- a lot of these intervals. Uh, and then there is the sort of local hill. You know, you go up the local three minute hill or four minute hill or five minute hill or 10 minute hill. Or if you have a 40 minute mountain, you, you know, work your way up it and take breaks in between. 
Uh, and that's really interval training, right? It starts looking like the race for mountain bikers. I love off-road time trials. We get a like four or eight minute loop, you know, something that's sort of safe and good sight line. So you don't hit anyone. Uh, and you do little mini race laps on it, right? And that looks a lot like a, a mountain bike race course where you're going really quick and working vigorously. And no, the power is not like a tabletop, like it would be indoors. But if you look at your heart rate, you know, it, it's up and it looks again, like, you know, it's hard. <laughs> There's those surges, right? And that's really what we're getting ready for for mountain bikers is the fact that the power is stochastic or, or up and down. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of really hard over threshold efforts, really hard, you know, VO2 efforts, and then coasting, you know, or skills, we might call it, right? Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's all great, right? And we can do that all outside. It, it's going to be great. Like in most cases, most people can figure this out if they just go and try it. And I do like the lap display, the Garmin setup, the bike computer setup so that you can see the lap time. I've been doing my threshold interval ten, for 10 minutes. I have 10 minutes left because it's a 20 minute interval and I can maybe see the average heart rate or the, the lap power. Like I, I'm, I'm averaging 200 watts and then maybe something like what is my power right now? Uh, and then again, you, you start getting feedback that like your intervals will start getting more perfect. Uh, and, and I have a lot of clients that are, you know, they've practiced and practiced, practiced for 10, 15 years in some cases. Sometimes you can't even tell the difference. Like it looks like their trainer workouts uh, as far as the power tracing, right? Or the heart rate tracing, they do such a great job on it. Uh, so it's definitely possible to have that out there, but you also don't, sometimes they're, they're supposed to be messy like a mountain bike one. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up there. Hopefully this helps people that are trying to figure out how to contend with the sudden uh, surge of hot weather here and just kind of figuring out their their spring training. And I will say with all of this, you know, it does depend and this is our final ad for the day, I guess, but definitely, you know, in a, in a half hour phone consult, you know, we can a look at your intervals and your rides outside and say, are these perfect enough for my goals? Uh, and we can talk about a strength training routine or, or what you've been doing or what you want to do. And sometimes that really helps. You know, there's lots of things we've spoke about here today, but you might still be confused. Like, should you do mountain legs or should you do the one set of eight? Uh, you know, what what's the right mix for you? So we can certainly talk through that uh, as part of a, a phone consult. Yes. And we will put a link for that in the show notes. So definitely head over to consummateathlete.com or just grab our show notes out of whatever app you are listening to this in. And of course, as always, if you could leave us a rating review, we would love that very, very, very much. All right, with that said, get out there, enjoy the good weather, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.